This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. We're looking forward to getting Rory out for his first winter adventures. We're super excited that we recently got Ella's wool to keep him warm this winter. The merino wool is super warm, moisture wicking, and I feel really confident that he's going to be super warm and dry this winter on all of our adventures. If you want to try out Ella's wool, you can use the code HIKINGTHROUGHLIFE2020 to get 10% off your order. That's HIKINGTHROUGHLIFE2020. You can go over to ellaswool.com to look for their super cute outfits. They have onesies, they have tubes, they have hats, they have all the wool products you need to keep your baby warm. Check them out. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. If you'd like to support Hiking Through Life, you can go to hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. We have t-shirts, water bottles, and we recently added stickers to the shop. Use the code podcast at checkout and receive 10% off your first order. There are other ways you can support this podcast as well. You can check those out at hikingthroughlife.net slash support. Also, be sure to sign up for our email list. You can do that by heading over to hikingthroughlife.net. Enter your email address and click subscribe. There's no commitment. You can unsubscribe at any time. As part of our email list, you'll receive our monthly newsletter. We'll also be sending out any promotional codes for Hiking Through Life gear. It's an excellent way to follow Hiking Through Life's journey. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today we are joined by Gail Francis. She's a through hiker of the Pacific Crest Trail and Minnesota's very own Superior Hiking Trail. She wrote a memoir about her time on the Pacific Crest Trail to share her experience with others. Today we are here to hear her story and hear about the generous donation that she's making during the month of December with her book sales. Welcome to the podcast, Gail. Thanks so much, Sarah. Yeah. So tell us, how did you get into the outdoors, camping, hiking? Has it always been an interest of yours? Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in the country and when my family would take vacations, it was always to go camping at a state park, Chain Lake State Park in Northern Indiana. And so it was just always, that was always part of my life. But I actually didn't know that there was this thing called backpacking until uh, after college, I was hiking with friends in Rio Grande. Um, and I woke up one morning in, you know, from the car campground and, 
and we took a really early morning hike uh, up to this mountaintop and I looked across and on the next mountain over there was this tent and this guy was just getting out of this tent and I just watched him get out of the tent and he made himself a cup of coffee and he sat there on a boulder and he looked at this incredible sunrise and he was just on his own out there. And I was like, that's a thing? I could do that? But, but I actually didn't, I, I, I was like, I gotta figure out what that thing is and how you do it. I just, I didn't know anybody who did that. And um, it wasn't actually until, um, until I was later in my mid twenties that um, I, I found out about the Appalachian Trail and <clears throat> got a friend to just, over his summer break, he was a grad student and I was unemployed. I said, hey, do you wanna try this thing? And we were like, sure. Neither of us had ever been backpacking. Well, actually he had gone on one backpacking trip. I hadn't been on any, you know, all the usual things you can imagine, you know, no proper gear, no sense of what it would be like. And we, we just, we didn't have a time frame. We said, well, let's just see how long will we last. And we spent pretty much the whole summer out there, seven weeks until, um, until I completely ran out of money and I left the trail with actually zero money, but it was totally worth it. <laughs> and that was out on the Appalachian Trail, you said? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm always just so fascinated by people who just like have never really had experience doing it before and just go out and do it. And that's like usually the story you hear with through hikers. But it's just so shocking to me that people will just do that for seven weeks at a time, like you said, or some people do it for like five months at a time when they've never backpacked before. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think if I'd known what I was in for, if someone had described to me the amount of pain and fatigue and pointlessness of it all, I probably would have been like, "Uh, you know, maybe I'll just go check out some museums or something on my break. Hey, right. So, I mean, that was when you were in college. So you did that for seven weeks. And then, I mean, obviously you liked it enough to pursue it even more. Yeah, actually, I was out of college for a few years already at that point. Um, So my friend was a grad student. um, So I was probably maybe only out of college for a couple of years. But um, but yeah, I mean, I loved it. I would have done the whole trail that summer if I had had the funds to do it. I mean, it wasn't even on my radar to think that I would do the whole thing. But after that, uh, so he and I went back every year for I don't know how many years and continued to do parts of the Appalachian Trail. And I think we've ended up doing maybe about, I mean, we haven't hiked together in years now, but I think we ended up maybe doing um, like two thirds of it all together or something. So at some point I would love to go back and, and do that as a North to South hike. Okay. So that was the Appalachian Trail. So what was it that drove you to do the Pacific Crest Trail versus the Appalachian Trail? Yeah. So um, I, when I was on the Appalachian Trail, that was the first time I heard of the Pacific Crest Trail. And let's see. So the, when I was hiking the Appalachian Trail, that would have been late nineties. So the Pacific Crest Trail was very new. And so, you know, it was kind of this thing people would talk about kind of in hushed tones, like, oh, there's this trail, you know, it's really hard to find the route. It's super rugged and remote. So I always had it in my mind. If I were really cool, I would do the Pacific Crest Trail. And, you know, not having, and and that was for 18 years, I just thought, oh, that'd be a cool thing to do. But, you know, it turns out you also have to have income and you have friends and relationships and responsibilities. Um, And so I just never, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I just never really got to the point where I could do it. But 
when I finally did, I didn't really have the concept that in 18 years, the trail would have changed and it was no longer, you know, in my mind, it was still going to be like, yeah, maybe I'll see people once in a really great while, but it's just going to be me and the elements, which I mean, like, like reading, like reading about trails is not really interesting to me. So I just kind of show up and then I'm like, oh, this is what this trail is. Huh. All right. Yeah. Right. Right. Don't do your homework. That sounds like me. Just show up and see, see what you're in for at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like, cause you did this in 2012 and I was just listening to uh, another interview with you where like, that's kind of at the time Cheryl Strayed's book came out (laughs) wild and like, I think that's what really like got the popularity of the trail going like crazy. Yes. So when I was on the trail again, like you said, it was 2012, which was the same year her book came out, which meant that the Cheryl Strait effect hadn't hit yet. Um, So, and the movie hadn't come out yet. So people knew about the book, but it came out, I think in the summer or maybe I think it came out like the March of that year. So not soon enough for people to actually decide to hike the trail. Um, But that year, people, we thought that there were a lot of people on the trail. I think there were about 500 of us who started that year and about 250 who finished. And that, that seemed like a lot of people. Uh, But I, I think I heard, I I don't, I I need to verify this, but I think I heard that last year it was something like 10,000 people who started. This year during the year of COVID? No, I'm sorry, not COVID. Oh, okay. uh, 2019. The year before. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, that's right. Because I I think if I, if I believe uh, the Pacific Crest Trail Association was not issuing permits to hike the whole trail uh, in the year of COVID. I think there was a strong urging of people to stick, to not do the trail this year. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's right. Um, yeah. We talked to another through hiker who does her own podcast, the hiking through podcast, who was going to hike the whole PCT uh-huh. this year. And she totally canceled it all because of COVID. Um, so you did it in 2012 and you decided to do this alone. That's right. Yep. Okay. And so what were some of the biggest challenges to go out and do this on your own? I mean, by then you had learned enough about backpacking and hiking. Right. So even though I hadn't hiked the PCT in all that time, I had done a lot of backpacking, you know, in that, in those 18 years, just not on the PCT. But yeah, I'm kind of, I'm a fairly solitary person as a general rule. Um, I maybe like to have my own way a bit. Um, I think if you're, if you're someone who likes to have your own way, it's good to also be fairly emotionally self-sufficient. So I am lucky that I have both of those things. Um, And I just, you know, I I really enjoy being outdoors by myself. Um, So having said that, the trail surprised me in so many ways. And one of the ways was that after about the first thousand miles, I made a friend from Norway named Knute and the two of us hiked most, like, pretty much all the rest of the way from there. So we ended up actually hiking almost two thirds of the trail together. And what was really interesting about that was as much as I really like being alone, I realized it's also really nice to have someone to share things with. And so now I, sometimes I like to hike with others and sometimes I like to hike alone, but um, but I didn't have that in my mind when I set out. I, I didn't really imagine that I would end up hiking with somebody. Right. Well, and yeah, like when you're out there for so long on your own, you just get in your own mind and just kind of like lose track of civilization and 
like my husband through hiked the superior hiking trail and that's like way smaller obviously than the PCT I mean that was only for 21 days but like he was just so zombie like I went up and saw him after just a week and I was like whoa you need some civilization like just looked so zombie like so I can only imagine that just having a person to kind of check in on you for that long of a time is mentally so helpful yeah and for me also it was you know seeing all these beautiful things just being able to know that somebody else saw them with me I it just turned it turned out to matter to me to be able to have that yeah and so how were you like a super intense hiker like trying to get a certain number of miles per day no (laughs) No, I'm so not that way. I mean, I would like to be that way even less than I am. One of the things that I think has been maybe a bit of a downside of hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, and then I've done other long hikes since then, is um, it it does shift your mindset. You know, it it used to be, you know, like I said, when I hiked the Appalachian Trail, we were like, ah, let's just see how far we get. And, you know, I don't think we ever put in a 15-mile day in 17 weeks, which granted gear was a lot different then and a lot heavier. But um, you know, but on the Pacific Crest Trail, if you're going to make it the whole way, you do have to average, I think it's about 20 miles a day. And I did that and I, I came to enjoy doing that. Um, and unfortunately, it's kind of changed my mindset a little bit so that it's it's a bit hard for me to go out and just be like, well, I think I'll just hike, you know, I'll just call it a five mile day and just really enjoy sitting around camp and watching the sunset. I've lost that a little bit and I'd like to get some of that back. Right. You have more of like this, like goal to achieve now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I can, I can see why that happens. And it just seems like I've, I'm not a through hiker. I don't really have interest in through hiking, but that kind of seems like the mindset. A lot of people get like that athletic mindset in a way. Yeah. And I'm not an athletic person by nature. So I kind of liked that I could do it. I mean, I was in fantastic shape when I was done. Um, so I, I did, there was an upside to it, but a downside as well. And I know this is supposed to be you interviewing me, but I'm curious, why aren't you interested in, uh, in a through hike? Why aren't I? Yeah. Um, well, just because I've done like five day hikes and I love those five day backpacking trips and those challenge me enough. I feel like, (laughs) and like (laughs) after five days, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I need to go see people. I want to go shower and just like reset myself. (laughs) And yeah, I think it was last summer when we were road tripping and hiking on the long trail for like, um, yeah, such a beautiful trail. I would love to go back and do more parts. Yeah. We were doing that trail for like three or four days and we did like some really intense days and it was raining really hard. And before that, I thought maybe I wanted to do a through hike. But after that, like those intense days that just kind of validated that I didn't want to do it. Well, you know, maybe it's like people who wonder if they're gay or not. And then they kiss someone of the same sex and they're like, oh, I didn't like that. I must not be gay. Well, maybe you just kissed the wrong person. Like maybe, you know, like, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I just, or maybe it's just a phase. Maybe you don't want to be, maybe you don't want to be a through hiker right now. Maybe later you will. (laughs) Right. Right. I know. I know. My husband still tries to, he, he, he definitely has the through hiker bug for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And maybe one day I will. Cause like, I love talking to people about through hikes. I love reading about through hikes. I love the whole concept of like trail angels and all of that. I just, 
I'm yeah. so fascinated by that. I love the community around through hiking, mm-hmm. but for some reason, the through hiking itself hasn't grabbed me yet. That's great. <laughs> but maybe one day, yes, maybe one day. <laughs> you just haven't met the right trail yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That could be. So what kind of things were you eating on the PCT? Were you like one of those like Twinkies and potato chips person or were you healthier? Oh, um, I don't think eating healthy is healthy on the PCT. I mean, it's, you know, people often ask what the food is like. And it's, it's funny because I actually, I sort of get a little bit of a pit in my stomach when, when people ask, because it's just terrible. I mean, like, you know, there's just no way to eat trail food for five months and feel like, ah, that was delicious because, um, you know, I ate a lot of crackers and bread and cheese and tuna. And, um, the genius thing I did discover though, was chili cheese corn chips. If you get like the larger size bag, the 12 ounce or whatever it is. I mean, those things are basically pure fat. And so like, if you eat about half a bag for breakfast every day, you don't lose weight. Chili cheese. (laughs) All right. But then you have to stop immediately when you get back to civilization. Yeah, when you're not doing all those miles and sweating it all out. I can can imagine. But, But, you know, one of the things on the PCT is when I started, I carried a stove and I just I couldn't even conceive of not having a stove. I just thought, you know, I've got to have a decent meal at the end of the day. Um, But then I actually gave up my stove when I was in um, when I was going through the high Sierras because I through part of the area, you have to have everything in a bear canister. And I just couldn't fit, you know, my stove and everything in the bear canister. And, and so I, I just sent my stove ahead thinking, well, I'll go back to using a stove. But I, I so much loved not having a stove. I have not, I've only ever used it for car camping since I've never used it for backpacking. Even I did, um, I, I hiked in the Arctic a couple summers ago. Um, I was out there for three months and I did not even bring a stove. I, it's just, it's so much better to hike without a stove. In the Arctic. So wasn't it like super cold? So weren't you like craving a warm meal? Well, I mean, it was, yes, it was, it was cold. <laughs> I mean, it was summer, what passes for summer, but it was very cold. And, um, but what I wasn't craving was fussing with my stove and getting my hands cold and then figuring out how to wash dishes and getting my hands cold again and all that stuff. It was just so much better just to sit there and gnaw on some frozen bread. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, in those kinds of weather, the conditions that are out there, yeah, just sitting there and tinkering with something doesn't sound pleasing <laughs> exactly. at all. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Which maybe proves my point even more that, yeah, little trips of three to four days are more pleasing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is, I mean, you know, on the other hand, I will say when I first did the Appalachian Trail, and I remember meeting people who were out there for just a week, and I thought, why would anybody do this for only one week? Because you end up, I mean, again, gear was heavier at that time, but you know, you end up with pack sores from your pack, your, you know, your feet are destroyed, you're just exhausted. And, you know, but by the second or third week, you start to feel pretty good. And I thought, oh, why would anybody just do this for one or two weeks? And then I realized, of course, it's because people have jobs and they, you know, but, but so again, I'm just saying, you know, maybe give it a four week shot. Right, right. Yeah. Get your whole body acclimated to it. Mm -hmm. 
takes right. time. But then, I mean, but then you reach a point where you go past that and, you know, then other things start to hurt in a more profound way. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, you totally quit your job to go do that. I mean, were you wanting to maybe take a leave from your job or was it just, was it a job you weren't liking at the time? No, I actually did want to take a leave of absence, um, but they didn't have a leave of absence policy. So um, I ended up just quitting, um, but they, they ended up hiring me back actually. So oh, that, worked out. Yeah. that worked out well. It was actually really good because, you know, at the time, maybe I was kind of wondering whether I really wanted to do this job and hiking the trail, I really realized like, yeah, I feel like this is really good work. I feel like I'm good at it. And, and I really realized I did want to come back to it. So that was good neat too because like a lot of people quit their jobs go hike the trail and then don't go back to their jobs because it's something they didn't like doing that's right so your story Mm -hmm. is different in that sense that's true yeah I hadn't thought of that yeah because you hear of all these people just like having these big life realizations you know yeah I don't have those when I'm hiking I don't have any profound thoughts I basically am like I wonder when my next bowel movement will be I wonder when I can eat again oh, look, there's a person I know. Like, I mean, it's just, I, I, I'm too exhausted to think anything deep. When I first started hiking, I thought, oh, you know, like I w- I'm going to be on this spiritual journey and I'm going to like figure all this stuff out. Then I was like, no, all I'm, all I think about is like, wow, my feet hurt or whatever, <laughs> which is actually like part of the appeal is you just, when you're out there, things just become so fundamental. You're operating at such a basic level. I mean, you're just, you're just a human. You're just an organism. You're just a food tube. And it's really nice. Yeah. 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 You're just like a person going through the motions of the hiking. And that's, yeah, that's, that's probably my thoughts when I'm out hiking too. Just like, oh my gosh, when's my next break? What's my next meal? Where's my next snack bar? (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your the book. I mean, was writing the book something that you wanted to always do? Has writing always been a part of your life? Yeah. So um, the book, by the way, I should mention, it's called Blisters for folks who might want to see it. And it's it's the word bliss and then T-E-R-S in parentheses. So it's blisters. But um, I have always been a, a writer, you know, since I was a kid, my whole family liked to write little things. And but uh, I, I've always been more of a fiction writer. I actually, I, I went into the PCT thinking, well, you know, maybe maybe I should try to, you know, see whether I could make a living off of writing. And so I thought to myself as I was planning for the PCT, well, there's never really been a great book written about the PCT at that time. Not many people had hiked it or, or written about it if they had or if they had. Like they weren't really, it wasn't necessarily like super polished writing. I mean, there's definitely exceptions. So anyone who hears this, like, I'm not talking about your book. (laughs) Um, But so I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe mine could be like the first commercial success about the PCT. And then of course, as I was getting ready to step onto the trail, Wild came out. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to bother writing about this, but I just, because I write, I, I always keep a journal every single, every single night, no matter how exhausted I am, I keep a a journal of what, uh, you know, at least something that I did that day. But I hadn't really planned on turning anything into a book. 
And uh, after I got back, I, I realized, you know, I think I do have something to say. I think I could turn this into a book. And so I, I got most of the way through it within the few months that I came back, but I didn't finish it for like three or four years, maybe longer than that. I just had a hard time, not with the writing so much, but with figuring out, like, I really hate marketing myself and um I didn't really, I, I kind of wanted to self-publish and I kind of didn't, but I, and I couldn't figure out like, what, how would that look? Finally, I just bit the bullet and I found someone to turn it into a book and self-publish it. And I thought, eh, you know, if I sell 300 copies, then I'll make my money back. And I, you know, I've got 50 cousins, so, you know, I'm well on my way there. So, <laughs> but anyway, I was really surprised. I mean, I, I still, you know, I, I put it out a couple of years ago and, you know, I still, sell like five copies a day or so. And at the beginning I sold, you know, a lot. So I was, I was kind of surprised. Yeah. That's awesome. I was surprised. I had never heard of it. Cause I, I read a handful of like hiking memoirs and whatnot. So when you posted this on the superior hiking trail group, I was just really intrigued. And it looked like a lot of people had heard about the book too. Yeah. That's always shocking to me. I'm like, but you're not related to me. Why have you read this book? <laughs> but no, it's true. A lot of people have read it now. It's really, it's really lovely. Yeah. It's really been, cool. it's been way more fun to put a book like this out than I would have ever imagined. I mean, like I said, I always kind of wanted to write the great American novel. To be honest, I, I struggled with writing about this because I'm like I knew how the story ended, you know, like it, it was kind of, I kind of almost a bit boring to write about it because again, you know, like I like to write about things where I'm not exactly sure where it's going and it's a little bit of a puzzle, but of course this, I kind of knew how it ended. I, but it's turned out. And then when I put it out, you know, it's so nervous making because you just become so aware of every little flaw that's in the book. And you just think, I mean, I was almost kind of embarrassed to let people know I had published it, but it turns out people really like it. And it's really nice. Like it's not, it's not Tolstoy, but what it is, is it's something that's connecting with people and it's making people happy. And that's way more satisfying to me than I, than I would have ever thought. So it's been a great experience to write about it, to be honest. Yeah. So, I mean, would you say, cause you were saying like, you're not like one of those hikers that goes out and like ponders really deep life questions and everything right. so is the book just more so about like day-to-day -day activities and what it's like for a through hiker out there yeah so it's not it's not like a hiking manual and it's also not like oh I overcame my heroin addiction you know <laughs> it's it's um it's it's uh but it does I think I think it gives a fairly realistic perspective on what it's like to hike the trail but it's not necessarily geared toward someone who's like, okay, what's, what should I pack? Or, you know, it's not, a, it's not meant to be like a practical guide or anything. So it's, it's mainly a pretty light read. It's pretty fun. I mean, there's no shortage of opportunities to be self-deprecating when you're hiking about, you know, all the little mistakes I made. Um, but it's also, um, I would say reflections fairly often on um, what I'm, what I'm seeing, what's around me, um, how, you know, how it kind of interweaves with the history of our country and um, and my own experiences being from the Midwest. So sort of how like the lens that I'm bringing to things. Um, it's like I said, it's, it's not about trying to overcome. I'd say it's not a book for someone who's like looking for someone that can like is wrestling demons. Um, but I would say it's more for 
someone who wants an enjoyable read about the experience of being outdoors and it's um it's both fun and and serious I guess I would say yeah because I mean I was like reading a little bit up on it like I haven't read the book myself yet because mm-hmm. I just learned about it like a day ago <laughs> but yeah it sounded like some people were saying like you wrote it in a little bit of a political way in a little bit <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I mean maybe so this is actually this is actually pretty funny in my opinion so I am a political person and I decided I, I was going to be myself in the story and that I wasn't going to try to, you know, um, pretend otherwise, but it's definitely not a political book um, at all. I mean, like there are points where I say, oh, you know, um, we ran into somebody who this, you know, at the, this was at the time that the Supreme Court was deciding on, on Obamacare and Knut and I ran into some people and they asked him what healthcare was like in Norway. And he told them that everybody gets healthcare. And, you know, I mean, like, it's not, it's not a crazy political book, in my opinion. Or there's like another piece where I'm like, there was a guy who didn't, didn't think that water should be left for people who are immigrating through the deserts. And I made a comment that, you know, I think it's, it's a sad commentary that we would rather see someone die of thirst in the desert than offer them some water, like we would prefer that they die. That's, you know, I do make comments about that, but I don't, I don't really think like, it's not that many comments and I don't think it's really over the top, but it's very upsetting to people, uh, to some people. Yes. I, I don't, the other weird thing is, is that a lot of people, not a lot, but like to the extent that there are negative comments on Amazon, they're all pretty much along these lines that I should leave the country if I love communism so much. (laughs) And the weirdest one to me is the one that keeps saying how anti-gun I am, which is funny because like, I'm not like, I don't think guns should have rights in and of themselves. I don't think they're sacred objects, but like I have guns, I own guns. I, we, you know, and, and, um, and it's just very, it's just very strange. Like I make a comment that there is, there is a point in the book where we come across a guy who is like pretty scary and he has a gun and Canute sees him first and comes back and is like, oh my gosh, there's this really weird guy with this gun out there. And I'm like, oh, he's from Norway. He's probably just not used to seeing hunters or whatever. And then I saw the guy and I was like, oh, that guy's really scary. <laughs> so like, I made a comment like that. But again, I'm totally like, anyway. Right. Sorry, I mean, that was a little bit of a, I've been, I think I've been saving that up. <laughs> so I'm glad you gave me a, a little bit of room to talk about it. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Well, yeah. I mean, I just wonder like as author, like, Cause I'm, I like writing a lot and I've always like thought about like writing, publishing a book at some point in my life. And then like, yeah, just like putting it out there and all these opinions of people that are going to come out there. It's just like, well, it was almost perfect though, because if you're going to have people berate your book, it's really great if they can berate it for the things that you don't really mind that they're berating it for or things that you actually disagree with. What's much you know, what I was really scared of is that people would be rated for the actual flaws. And, you know, like the things that I think are not great about the book, I, I would be, it would be far more cringeworthy for me to be like, yeah, I know, I know I saw that too. I shouldn't have written it that way, you know? Um, so I actually don't really mind the ones where people are just like, well, maybe she should try living in the Soviet Union then. Like, I don't really mind. It's fine. Right, 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 right. I mean, everyone's kind of like entitled to their own opinion. Like when you put things out there in the world. Exactly. Wait, what was this guy with a gun doing on the trail? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you do see hunters on the trail. So again, this was not what was happening. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. So it looked kind of like a homemade gun. There was something weird about the gun itself. It was not like a normal looking gun. And um, yeah, and he was just, he was walking. He wasn't wearing any blaze orange. There was like, it's a little bit hard to describe like the vibe he was giving off, but um, I was like, okay, look, I'm, I'm just, it's probably fine. And I just like, oh, hey, what's in season? And he just goes, nothing. <laughs> and, and he had actually, I guess, pointed the gun. Canute said he had pointed it at him. Oh gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, that was actually scary. I, I hope this is not dissuading anyone from hiking. This is, I have hiked many, many years. And this is the only time that I have run into this. Not to say that it doesn't happen. I mean, there have occasionally been murders on trails, but um, I hope people don't think that they would experience this if they went out there because you almost certainly would not. Right, right. It's very, very unlikely to happen. Yes, right. And if this, even this, it turned out totally fine. I mean, whatever, this guy may have been off balance, but he didn't shoot us. So Yeah. And that's another reason that it's always good to have a little partner when you're hiking. <laughs> <laughs> have your hiking buddy Although I don't know I think you know if he were gonna shoot somebody like Canute might have put him over the edge so maybe I would have been safer there on my own <laughs> <laughs> so it took you five months to do this whole hike yeah five months in one week okay and then when you got back did you have like a big hiking bug through hiker bug you know um, yes and no, I guess. I was very happy to be back home. I was living in northern Wisconsin at the time, which I, it's very beautiful, um, like here. And so I was very happy to be back home. Um, but then also uh, that winter, then I went and I, so Knut and I actually went hiking and there was a trail in Turkey, in southern Turkey, that we attempted to do. We, again, like this is where you should actually try to learn about the trail. Well, it turns out you shouldn't try to do this trail in December. Um, so we didn't end up finishing that hike, but it was, it was a great experience anyway. But, uh, so, you know, I did a little bit more hiking again until I ran completely out of money. And, um, but then the next year, a bunch of people that I'd known from the Pacific Crest Trail, they went on to do, or attempt to do the Continental Divide Trail. And it was really interesting. Almost none of them finished it. Um, they started doing it. And then I did kind of feel like, oh man, you know, why am I back at work? They're out living the good life and, but not too bad. Um, but then it was really interesting how many of them felt like, ah, this just isn't me. This, so, you know, again, back to just, you know, different trails at different times of your life. And maybe for me, and I think for a lot of people, I think I need hiking to be a punctuation and not the sentence. Like it's not, it's not the reason that I want to live my life, but I really need it to make my life coherent. That's a very author thing to say. Yeah, that just came to me. <laughs> I like that. That's, I love that. For other people, it's the opposite. You know, it's like there's people who spend all of their time hiking and they, they, that's really what they love. So I mean, that's like the through line for them and anything else, you know, relationships, stability, jobs, all of that's just a punctuation. So, right, right, right. Like people live to hike. There's a lot yeah. of people out there like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I have known people who came back from the PCT. Um, a woman I know told me that uh, she actually fell into a pretty serious depression when she came back from the PCT because she just missed it so much. And, um, 
you know, I think that that's actually not uncommon and it's prob probably is something to think about for folks, but I was fortunate for me, it did nothing but like keep me in a great mood. Yeah. I mean, I read about that a lot too, like post-trail depression. It's definitely a concern that some people can have. And it's, I mean, it's probably just thinking about like their whole life, their life as a whole and what they want out of life. Cause when you're on your trail, you're away from yeah. all of life's surroundings and anything yeah. that might've been an issue before. So when right. you get off the trail, you're back to reality in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think particularly if you don't have people around you who can really understand or appreciate what you've done, you know? Right, right, right. Exactly. Cause mm. it's a whole type of, it's an experience that unless you have read about it or know about it or have done it yourself, it's really hard to relate to. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And yeah, like I can't relate to through hikers cause I've never done a through hike. I can relate to them in a sense that I know a lot about it. <laughs> well, it's interesting though. I mean, I think when I say like, if you're around people who can't appreciate what you've done, I don't think you have to be a through hiker to appreciate it. I think like, I, I feel like you do appreciate through hikers. I feel like you have you know, a sense of what it takes. And, um, and maybe, you know, there's just some people who have it in them to sort of imagine a different type of life or who have a dream of some kind. And it may be, you know, someday I want to make this specific quilt that is super hard and I don't know how I would do it and where, how would I find the space and, you know, uh, all of this stuff. You know, but there's some like like, but there's like a kernel of this thing that you know you have in you that you could do, or 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 maybe you don't even know what it is, but there's you have this you could imagine like having an accomplishment that would be similar in scope and scale, and I think that's maybe the type of people who can appreciate through hiking, whether they through hike themselves. Oh yeah, I mean you you said that way better than I could have conveyed that. <laughs> you definitely <laughs> put that really well. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way to describe it. So your trail name, I think I heard in another interview that it was Nightingale. Where'd that come from? Yeah. And I mean, listeners to your podcast probably know that uh, a trail name is something that comes up on, um, there's just a few trails really that, that I think have them. Um, the Pacific Crest Trail is one, the Appalachian Trail is another, the Continental Divide is another, um, where people end up with these nicknames that are called trail names. And um, so my trail name was Nightingale and uh, that came from, so some people make their own trail names and other people just wait and see if one happens on them. And I was in the latter camp. And, um, so I guess it was probably, it was probably maybe four or 500 miles in. And I had been hiking with this guy and we were stopped at a, you know, just hiking casually together over the course of maybe a week or so. We'd kind of been hiking together off and on. And we got to this trail register, uh, and he signed his name and he, before he handed the register to me, he said, you know, I've been thinking, I have an idea for a trail name for you. It's up to you. Don't feel like you have to take it. But he said, I thought about this name Nightingale because of course my name's Gail and because I like to sing all the time. And so I thought, well, that is just really lovely. So I just took it and, and, uh, and ran with it or hiked with it. So were you like known to be singing along the trail? just kind of la-di-da as you went upon your hike? Um, I don't know if it was la-di-da or not, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I did like to sing. I mean, not all the time, um, especially not uphill, but yeah, I like to sing. And I was actually, 
I have this bad habit. I don't always even realize when I'm singing. I sing a lot uh, and I don't sing real loud. I don't have like, you know, some kind of operatic voice or something, but I just enjoy singing. I, and I don't always even realize it when I, when I am singing. So I was actually kind of uh, felt a little sheepish actually when he said, I just thought that might be a nice name for you. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize I'd been singing that much. I hope I wasn't annoying, <laughs> but evidently I wasn't, um, which is actually one of the nice things about being out there is, you know, uh, again, at the time that I hiked, I mean, some people had iPods, some people had, um, you know, would listen to eBooks and stuff, but most of us didn't. And, um, you know, they're just, it was kind of more old fashioned. Like it was actually really, people liked that I liked to sing. It was something to do around camp, you know? So it's kind of nice. Yeah, I like that. That reminds me of this other family I had on the podcast a while ago that through hiked the Superior Hiking Trail this summer. They sing, well, it's mostly the daughter. She sings and they make a bunch of YouTube videos about it. So they're like really into <laughs> awesome, it. But awesome. <laughs> yeah, they hiked the whole trail together, but I don't think you were that extreme with your singing. No, but... I don't think so probably. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, one of the nice things about hiking with Canute was um, he he knew a lot of Norwegian folk songs and I knew a lot of, he knew a lot of American folk songs too. And so we sang together quite a bit. And what was really funny was there were certain songs I started singing. Um, I don't know if you know the, he's an old country music singer, Roger Miller. Um, I started singing some Roger Miller songs. You might know some of his songs if I sang them, but I'll spare you. I started singing <laughs> some of his songs and he started singing them in Norwegian. It turned out he didn't know that these were American songs. Like they had been translated by this particular Norwegian singer. And so we would go back and forth Norwegian and, and, um, in English on the Roger Miller songs. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I love that connection. And those are like the types of things that just like come about when you're on the trail and just like swept away from society, like all this magic and connection can happen like, like that. Like that's such a beautiful story, just like two different languages, but you're still able to communicate through, through songs in that sense. I love that. And yeah, I thought it was funny what you were saying before about like the whole trail names and how typically it's just people on the CDT, the AT and the PCT. And since I've never through hiked, I don't have a trail name, but like, it's something like I've told my husband, I really want a trail name, even though I've never through hiked. <laughs> so like when we first started backpacking, like four or five years ago, I was like trying to like force ourselves to give ourselves trail names. <laughs> Yeah, right. I wanted one so bad. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you see that sometimes. Um, there was also this poor guy that I hiked with, a really great guy named Opus, and um, he did. He had hiked the Appalachian Trail and somehow ended up with this trail name Opus, which he didn't really like that well. And he's like, "Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use that trail name on the PCT. Most people would use the same trail name across different trails. I think he's like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm just gonna show up and get a different trail name." On the very first day, weirdest coincidence, on the very first day, he met a guy that he had hiked the Appalachian Trail with, and the guy was like, Opus, and everyone around was, oh, you already have a trail name? So the poor guy had to hike the whole PCT as Opus as well now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, just stuck with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you hear those stories sometimes those trail they do just stick with them for all their hikes the rest of their life pretty much so 
when did you hike the superior hiking trail uh it was in august of this year oh okay so super super recently yeah and had you done like sections of that before then i mean you live in duluth so i'm guessing so yeah but not really that much i'd done um like a few overnighters and a few day hikes but really i mean i'm kind of terrible i'm not like people always think that i must be some super major hiker, but basically I'm just really good at like getting away for a while. And then I hike a lot, but I don't, I'm not someone who really always goes out on the weekends. Like I should and hikes. I, I tend to get caught up in projects around my house. So I hadn't done that much. Um, but oh my gosh, I'm so glad I did it. And I, I actually really want to do it again. And that's very rare for me to feel that way about a trail. In fact, maybe I've never felt that way. I would love to do it in every season of the year. I'd love to do it South to North, North to South. Like, I mean, it's a great trail. Did you do it north to south or south to north this time? I did it north to south. <clears throat> okay. Okay. That's what Andy did when he did it as well. Oh, cool. When yeah. did he do it? Was he it did September? it last September. Oh, last September. Okay. Yep. Yep. So how long did you, how long did it take you? Well, so I did what they call the traditional through hike. So I did from <clears throat> the 350 degree, what, no, what is it? The 270 degree overlook to, yeah. um, to Martin Road. Uh, so there's like the 50 miles. I had already done all that as day hikes, the 50 miles from Martin Road to um, to the Wisconsin border. And that I figured I'd just skip that. Um, so it took me, I think it was like 15 days to do that. Okay. And I, I wished I had had more time because one of the things I've really loved about the Superior Hiking Trail is it's not like the PCT or the AT or some of these other really long hikes where, you know, people are just punching out the miles and it's like, you know, everybody's got the nicest gear and it's all, you know, like, oh, yesterday I hiked until I vomited. Oh yeah, yesterday I hiked till I passed out. You know, like it's just people out there with families and whatever gear they got. And it's at the end of the day, they're like, ah, this is a beautiful campsite. And I was like, man, I got to get me some of that attitude. That was real, like, like people out there are just super nice and laid back. And, um, and there was some beautiful stuff that I did not spend nearly enough time on. There were tons of side trails. I would have loved to have done more of. So I would love to cover that same 250 miles, like in at a whole nother week. And I think it would be so fun. I like how you describe the people. That sounds like a super like Minnesota culture. Um. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. It totally is. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like a lot of the people on Spear Hiking Trail, it is a good percentage of only people in Minnesota. I mean, you do get people through hikers from all over the country coming in to do it, but the majority is Minnesotans. So yeah, we're those just like nice, courteous Minnesotans just want to sit around the campfire and have a good chat together. <laughs> it's so nice. Yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> so you did this alone? I did. Yeah. Were you, I mean, you did it in August. So I'm guessing you were sharing campsites almost every night with someone. Almost every night. I think there were maybe, maybe only like three nights that I wasn't. Yeah. So did you come across any like trail magic along this? I know it's not as common to like have that when you're on the superior hiking trail, cause it's not a big trail, but. Not in the exact way that you would, um, so again, your, your listeners probably know, but like on the PCT, sometimes you'll just come up to a trailhead and find like a cooler with a note, you know, saying pack out whatever, you know, if you take something, pack out the trash or whatever. It's just like amazing. You just like, you know, a super hot day and all of a sudden you find a cooler with some pop and it's so good. And um, 
but anyway, uh, yeah, so that kind of thing, no, I didn't experience any of that. Um, but man, there was this family in Grand Marais that I had just barely met one time. And when they found out I was doing the trail, they were like, oh, let us know if you need anything. When you, you know, when you get close to Grand Marais, you know, come stay in our yard. Here's our address, all this stuff. And, um, and I was actually feeling pretty ragged by the time I got to Grand Marais. Like I was pretty, like really tired and kind of grumpy. And it was just, it was pouring rain and, um, and they just, they let me stay with them and they gave me food and they gave me great company. And it was just like, one of those things where it's like, man, if you had not been here, I just don't know if I would have had the spirit to keep going, you know, it's just so, it's just great. Yeah. Really great people. Yeah. Just those super like small things make such a big difference when you're out there. Cause you like wrote on the group. Like I just, I loved like the community I met on the trail and like what the Superior Hiking Trail Association did for me. And that's just like one really beautiful example of the type of people that are willing to help you. Oh, totally. And then also um, about a week later, then my spouse came out and resupplied me. So I only had that one, re I only had one resupply, which was, um, uh, why can't I come up with the name of the park now? Crosby Manitou State Park. Um, one resupply. There. That had to be heavy, heavy packs then. Oh, it was way heavier than it even needed to be because honestly, I think I started out with enough food for the whole hike. I probably didn't even need to resupply. I was, I, it was like I had never backpacked before. Oh my gosh. How heavy was your pack? Oh, I don't remember. It was way too heavy. I want to say it was maybe when I started out, it was maybe like 40 pounds or something. Wow. <laughs> but when I resupplied, I like restored my sanity. And so then it was more normal. I don't remember what it, I mean. I didn't have a scale then, but I think it was probably at that, you know, like 25 pounds or something like that. But, uh, but no, I mean, and that was just so great, you know, because not only did he resupply me, but he showed up, you know, with the cooler and the pop and the fresh food, you know, green things, carrots, and it was just so great. And then, um, and then a friend of mine, came with them. And then we hiked, uh, we hiked just a day together. And she's, we, she stayed the night there at um, Lake Sanju with me. And then she went back and I kept going. Oh yeah. And I bet that just like recharged you and got you ready to oh, like finish it out. Totally great. Totally great. Yeah. So you have decided to just kind of like on the Superior Hiking Trail page, you wrote that you want to donate all the proceeds of your book to the association this month. Can you talk about that? Yeah, you know, when I was out there, so for folks who have never done a hike of, you know, considerable length, it's it's really just amazing to me when I am out really far from a road and here I am and I can see that this trail has been weed whacked. I mean, and it's, and if you don't maintain a trail, like, you know, up here in Northern Minnesota, especially, you know, it's just going to become overgrown in no time. You know, it's just the, the growth is so thick and it, so it really needs that constant maintenance. And I just think about, you know, somebody hauled machinery out here and, you know, a whole crew came out and, or, you know, somebody built these steps so that we could reduce erosion or, you know, just the bridges so that we didn't, you know, so that, so that we could get over this, this creek in the spring when it's a rushing river. And it's really amazing because almost all those people are volunteers. And, um, 
and they're coordinated by the Superior Hiking Trail Association. And, um, you know, and some of those people are paid and sometimes they have to pay professional trail builders. And, you know, that ain't free. Even the volunteer labor, it ain't free. You know, they got to, those people got to have equipment. You got to, you know, um, give them food. I hope they give them food <laughs> and, you know, all that stuff. And, and um, you know, I was just kind of trying to think, well, what, what could I do to show some appreciation? And so I thought, well, what if I, what if I donated the sales of, you know, the entire month of December to, to say thank you. And, um, and I checked with them just to make sure that that was okay with them. And they said that would be great. Um, so I've posted that on the Spear Hiking Trail page and I've gotten a really good reception and you reached out to me, which is great. I, I do want to say it's, um, it's only the, it's only the ebook and the paperback. So the, the audio book, it's, it's kind of a different story. The, it's too boring to explain. Um, but so <laughs> it's just harder for me to figure out what I sold in December, basically. So, so this, so if you're getting, if you're getting this, just get it as an ebook or a paperback for this, for the month of December. And, um, <laughs> and that all the proceeds will, will go to the Spirit Hiking Trail Association. Yeah, that is super generous. Cause exactly like you said, there's a lot of volunteer work that goes into those trails and it's something people don't always think about when we're out on those trails, enjoying our days on the hikes. There's a lot of background work that goes into all that. Oh yeah. I mean, nature doesn't wait. I mean, it's, if a tree's going to fall, it falls and somebody comes along and re, you know, moves it, you know, it gets a chainsaw and clears the path. And it's just, it's really incredible. I mean, in Minnesota, we're so fortunate to have this trail right in our backyard. And, um, and again, you know, there's, it's no, there's no law of nature that says that trail has to be there. So whatever we can do to support the Spear Hiking Trail Association helps. And people can find your book on Amazon, correct? That's right. They can. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Tell us about your vegan food company that you've started with your spouse. Yeah, so we run Superior Small Batch, which is a vegan food company. We make the main things that people will know us for are we have a couple of veggie burgers. Uh, one's called the Hearty Burger, and we call it that because uh, we hate it when you eat a veggie burger and you're like, well, that was pretty good, but now I need four more so I can get full. <laughs> This is a quarter pound burger. It's really delicious. It's um, it's gluten-free, it's soy-free, it holds up on a grill. It's just a great burger. Um, and we have another burger called the curry burger. And the tagline for that is it's actually spicy. So um, it's for, it's, it's just this great burger with all kinds of nuts and sweet potato and a real kick in it. Um, and, and it's actually heartier yet than the hearty burger. And then we have um, this vegan sausage we call bangers. Uh, so all of those uh, you find in, um, well, all of those you'll find in, in uh, Whole Foods. And I think, I think all three of those, yeah, are in Mount Royal as well. And then the bangers and the hearty burgers themselves, you can find in the Super Ones and some other places. And when you say Whole Foods, you mean the Whole Foods just up there in Duluth, right? Not I'm like sorry, yeah, the, the Whole Foods co-op. Yeah, yeah, not the chain store. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I yeah. figured you meant that. Yeah, but the other thing we're super excited about is, um, you know, it's been really interesting starting a food business. You know, we, we love food, we're passionate about it. We're so proud and excited of what we're doing. It's hard to make, money on it. <laughs> and, um, and what's interesting was when we started, we, we sort of assumed that our model of growth would be 
okay, we'll get into more places and then more places and there'll be more middlemen. So we'll just keep charging less. And, you know, and then you start like, just like, why are we charging? You know, like, this is ridiculous. Like, why do we need to be in some far flung market? Can we just be part of the local food system? And we couldn't exactly figure out how to do it. I mean, we, we have, people can order from us directly. If you go on our website, we have an online store that has a ton, ton, a ton of food. Like we've got um, like a coconut curry that people love. There's a vegan chili. I mean, everything's vegan. You know, we make a butter that's vegan, all kinds of stuff that people can get that's not in the stores, but you can get from us directly. But we've just kind of been trying to think, you know, how could we really be part of the local foods movement? And then uh, a friend of ours suggested that we reach out to Bayfield Foods, which is a farmer-owned cooperative in northern Wisconsin, and they run this big CSA. They're just they're just a great organization, and it just fits with our values exactly. You know that it's farmer-owned, it's local food. They're they're doing so much innovative and creative stuff, and we got in with them, and that's just been a fantastic experience. So people who are Bayfield Foods like CSA customers or other customers can also find our stuff there. Um, and again, you can get more variety from Bayfield Foods than you can from the grocery stores. But we feel really fortunate that like Whole Foods and Super One and a bunch of the restaurants have really supported us and been excited about what we're doing. Yeah, that's super awesome. And is this just you and your husband doing this together or do you have a staff working under you as well? <laughs> no, it's actually mainly just him. <laughs> um, I, I do some work, um, but we rent a kitchen in a commercial kitchen in Superior and he does most of it himself. He's the chef. So he's, he's invented most of the recipes himself with a little bit of input from me, but mainly it's been him. And um, he does most of the grunt labor. Uh, we have from time to time had some employees here and there, um, but we, we hope we'd like to grow and, and hire a couple folks to, to help out because it is a lot of work. Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, running a food business, that's, there's a lot that goes behind that. I'm sure. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's been such a learning curve. I mean, we both are, you know, like I said, we love food. We're really good at making it, but it turns out there's a lot more to running a business than just being really good at making food. (laughs) Right. Right. All the background work. So are both of you vegans just in your lifestyle? Have you always been vegan? No, actually, um, actually neither of us are vegans. Um, and I would say most of our, we mainly have a vegan lifestyle, but not a hundred percent. So, and I know many vegans would say there's no such thing, like you're either a vegan or, or not. So maybe I should say we mainly have a plant-based lifestyle, but um, when we went to, so even though we're not vegans ourselves, when we went to start a business, just the idea of profiting off of animals, it just, I just wasn't comfortable with it. And, um, you know, it just, it creates so many problems for you know, the environment and, and just the horrible conditions that so many animals are kept in. And, and also, you know, eating vegan is one of the most important things, like individual choices that people can make in terms of climate change. And so just for all of those reasons, I thought, you know, why, why would I try to make a profit off something that's not vegan? So even though, you know, like I'm not hundred percent plant-based, I just couldn't bring myself to try to make a profit off of something unless it was vegan. Yeah, that's like really interesting to hear because I had another person on the podcast, they're um, a hunting company out in Washington, but they're kind of all about just like really becoming one with the land and connecting with the animal when you're out hunting and you're not making a profit off that. You're just killing the animal for your own 
food's sake. But then it just goes back to like the commercial industry of the meat selling and everything. So yeah. And I mean, you obviously can't get away from the exploitation altogether. I mean, you know, like, you know, I was saying how, like when we thought about, well, how, how many middlemen do we want between us and the customer? Like, and we were just like as few as possible. And, but then when we think backwards, you know, like let's, we use a lot of mushrooms, for example. So when we think, okay, this is what we pay for mushrooms. So that means the distributor got a cut, the broker got a cut. There was probably another distributor that got a cut. And when you think about how much the farmer is actually making per pound or, you know, like that's just one example, like chickpeas or whatever, and the other things we use, it's like, man, that is, that's not healthy. It's not sustainable. So one of the things, this is, again, we're really trying to find more ways to source as much as we can local. And actually, oh, I didn't tell you this. This is, we're super excited about this. This summer we did, uh, we have subscription boxes where people can get three months worth of, you know, like meals, vegan, all vegan meals, like pre, pre-made. And um, it's super fun. Well, this summer we decided we were going to make a local box and have as much local food as possible. So we made all of this food with, with wheat that came from Northern Wisconsin and, and mustard that came, you know, and wild rice, all of this stuff that was local. It was so fun. And then in the fall, we made a local burger where 80% of the ingredients are um, locally sourced within our region. And it's like, it's really delicious and we're so excited about it. It's all vegan. And um, so there's still a little bit left. It's a limited run, but if folks want some, they should go to our website. Give us a call. Yum. That sounds amazing. So, and when did you guys start this business? We um, registered as a business uh, on December 7th, 2016. So about four years ago, but we didn't really, I mean, Shane was still working another job. Um, We didn't really try to start marketing it more broadly until the following, I think it was July or August that we actually got into a commercial kitchen, got the kitchen licensed, all that stuff. So um, we did, it was mainly just kind of prep work most of that first year. So it's been like three and a half years, I guess, that we've been through a little less than that. Awesome. And is he from Duluth originally? No, he's from Kentucky originally. Wow. So both of you aren't originally from here, but have, is Duluth just a place you've grown to love? Oh, we love Duluth. Duluth is great. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had lived, I mean, I had lived up in Northern Wisconsin for a long time and he, and uh, then we both ended up living in Brimson for a while, which is a small community inland from two harbors. And then we moved down to Duluth um, about three years ago and we just love it. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Next, you guys will have to look into putting local craft beer into your boxes that you send out to people. (laughs) Well, you know, what's interesting was actually there's a local winery that we love um, called Trails End. I think it's called Trails End Winery. I should see if I, um, and we were going to actually include a wine with our box. And she was like, "Um, you're not licensed to sell alcohol. (laughs) The woman, the owner was like, you're not licensed to do that. You're like, we were like, Oh, that's right. So we used her wine, but we used it in a, um, in a mustard that we made. So, um, but we were thinking what we'd like to do is get a fermenting license because um, we actually, just for our own use, we make, uh, we've used some of the local beers to make malt vinegar. That is fantastic, but we're not licensed to sell fermented products right now. So we'll have to wait on that. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. So cool. Can't wait to see what you guys do down the road. Thank you. Yeah. So anything else you want to add? 
Yeah, this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, remind me your little boy's name again. Rory. Rory, I really enjoyed seeing Rory. Yes, Rory. <laughs> He's slumbering. <laughs> and uh, so what's the next, have you take? you probably haven't taken Rory out on the trails yet if he's only two months old. We have actually, we took him camping. We went in November on that super, super nice weekend. Oh yeah. We just went to, um, oh my gosh, blanking on the name, a state park that's super close to us blanking on that's right mommy that's fine but yeah we did take him camping and we went hiking with him and he just goes in this little a little front carrier pack and he does really well in it he likes it he typically just falls asleep but yeah getting him out there getting him on the trail gotta start them young yeah absolutely yeah yeah because it's definitely like my husband and I have just kind of loved hiking and backpacking and the outdoor lifestyle ever since we met and it's just definitely something we're gonna carry on with him oh that's excellent good I'm glad to hear that yeah yeah we we want snow is there snow up in Duluth right now not really no there's patches here and there up on the hill there's probably more I haven't been up on the hill for a little bit I'm looking at the hill so (laughs) gosh yeah we're like I want snow really bad I want to go see snow but we're just having a, a sad winter here yeah I heard that it's only a 50 50 chance we'll have snow on like for on the ground for Christmas so we'll see yeah bummer gotta go up like really far north yeah yeah, I, I, um, I'm not sure what they've got up there. We should, I'm sure if we asked the Spear Hiking Trail people, they would tell us. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. People are always share pictures of that in the group. Well, yeah, thank you. It's been super fun talking to you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for reaching out. I really appreciate it. It's, um, you know, when my book first came out, I, I did a lot of interviews and I gave a lot of talks and I haven't really done any for a while. So it was kind of fun just to, Remember, oh yeah, I actually did that hike and I wrote about it. So it's been really, thank you. If you enjoy learning about Superior Small Batch and are curious in trying out some of those delicious sounding plant-based meals, they have a special offer for you. You can use the code HIKETHROUGH to get a 15% discount from the online store. This is only useful if you are able to pick up the order at their kitchen in Superior, Wisconsin. Make a day trip of it. Head to Jay Cook State Park to hike a section of the Superior Hiking Trail. That's code HIKE THROUGH to save 15% on online orders for in-store pickup at their kitchen in Superior, Wisconsin. You can go to superiorsmallbatch.com to make your order. We've loved doing this podcasting journey. We love bringing awesome guests on. We love seeing that people are listening. And we're really, really grateful that this is hopefully inspiring other people to get outdoors. Yeah, and as part of our mission at Hiking Through Life, we really want to help support others in continuing their journey or starting their journey into the outdoors. So as part of that, we have plans for future episodes to address some listener feedback. So if you have questions about backpacking, hiking, adventuring outdoors, let us know. Email hikingthroughlife at gmail.com and submit us your question or topic and we'll possibly address it in a future episode.
You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.